You guys know that I've joined the Motivated CEO podcast to the podcast Her Network. It's really been a game changer for the fast track to growing this podcast. And I am so excited to tell you that they are opening their doors right now for you to come and join too. If you want to learn more, join the founder, Joanne Bolt, and myself at the upcoming live masterclass, Three-Step Visibility Engine, by registering at podcasther.com forward slash masterclass. Starting and running a business is hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Whether you're an established business owner or thinking about starting a side hustle to earn extra income, I am here to teach you how to show up as your unfiltered self, level up your business, and thrive as a mompreneur. Let's embrace the chaos and start enjoying the journey together. I'm Amy Tra, and you're listening to the Motivated Mompreneur Podcast. Welcome back into the Motivated Mompreneur Podcast. Today, I am joined by Dr. Noor, and we are diving into a conversation on something that can be very scary for many of us and hold us back from actually making the leap, which is insurance. And there are other options out there that a lot of us aren't even aware of. So with that being said, Dr. Noor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Amy. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a great conversation and I'm so excited to be here. Well, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today. So before we dive in, tell our listeners more about yourself, who you are and what you do. Sure. Yeah. So my name is Noor. I am living in Tampa, Florida now with my husband and my son, who's three years old, super funny, active little guy. We're all originally from New York City. Uh, but we decided to move down for better weather and more space and, you know, make our dollars stretch farther. So we're very, very happy here growing our family. Um, I love to read in my downtime, which hasn't been much since becoming a mom. But uh, whenever I'm feeling down and I need to fill my cup, I just need to, you know, settle down with a book. And that always makes me calmer and happier. Oh, my gosh, me too. I absolutely love reading. And I think that is just the best thing. It's just instant relaxation. Yeah. Okay. That little Agreed. escape in life. Yeah. So tell us more about your journey because you didn't always set out to be teaching others how to navigate insurance. You're right. You're right. My journey is, um, you know, it starts when I'm very young and I've always been on a path to just uh, do medicine. You know, it's all I've known. I was I was greatly influenced by my grandfather, who was an anesthesiologist back in the 40s and 50s. And I knew that this is all I ever wanted when I was since I was a little girl and my family knew. So there's no pressure from my family to, to go into medicine, which is common in my community in the South Asian community. But I was very driven from a young age. I went to medical school abroad in Bangladesh, straight out of high school. So I never even went to undergrad because I knew this is what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I did really, really well there. I was, um, I graduated top 3% of my class. I was, you know, doing fantastic. I was performing surgeries when I was 23 years old. I was really excelling. Um, but I ended up getting married and my husband also from New York City. So we were living apart for two years when I was finishing up medical school and training in Bangladesh. And he already had his career in New York City. So two years uh, of, of that long distance relationship, which was awful. It really sucked. Uh, but when I moved back to New York City to be with him, the way it works for foreign doctors like myself is we don't have to go back to medical school again, but we do have to pass a series of licensing exams, which kind of qualifies us or, or me to practice surgery in the States. And the first of those series of exams, the content was basic sciences, which was a huge disconnect for me because at that time I was already a, a, a practicing surgeon for several years. So I really struggled with that first exam. 
I studied for about two years. I gave all, all of my heart and soul into it, but I didn't make it. I, I failed by one question. And that really, it crushed me. I lost all sense of professional identity because this is all I've ever wanted since I was a little girl. And I didn't know what to do because I had no other experience or skill set outside of medicine and surgery. So I was really at a loss of what to do. Um, and no one was hiring me because on paper, I look like a high school graduate because I never went to college. Uh, but, you know, in, in experience, I'm so I'm a highly skilled general surgeon. So it was it was hard. It was so hard for me, Amy. Um, so we decided we really needed to make a change. You know, we had to do something about it. So that's when we moved down to Florida. And I said, I'll figure it out. We'll start a family. Um, and that's when I got this opportunity for health insurance, which was so foreign to me at the time too, Amy. Like I didn't know anything about health insurance. I come from a country where there is no insurance system. It's pay per fee. Um, and as a, as a user myself, you know, my husband works for a great big company and we're so fortunate to have great benefits. But even then I didn't know how to use it. And I was upset and angry just because I didn't understand health insurance. But, you know, as I kind of put myself into this career, I, I figured out a way to marry my clinical background to my global experience in public healthcare systems and now my experience in health insurance. And I've just really found a way to merge it all together. And I'm super happy with what I do now. What an incredible story of just taking an obstacle, this insurmountable feat and pivoting in a way that they probably honestly worked out for the best because now you can be more present as a mom you can you know you're not on call all of these things that come with being a physician yet you're still using your knowledge your background you understand where people they're coming from what they need what's really important and can really help them navigate the insurance piece because that in itself is just daunting because it's constantly changing. So as solopreneurs, where do we even start to like navigate all of this? Because it's a, a mystery a, for most of us. A, yeah. It's a, it's a mystery, especially if you come from a background of just having, you know, a corporate role where your employer gives your benefits and you just kind of eeny, miny, mo pick one during open enrollment. And then yep. something comes out of your paycheck every two weeks. And we don't look at that number because, you know, we can't really do anything about it. Um, so when you're used to kind of having that happen and you're considering the leap going from that situation to solopreneurship, what do you do for health insurance, right? Where do you even start? Um, so I have a few tips here, but the first thing I want to say is when people come to me kind of with that situation and I ask them, well, how much are you used to paying for health insurance? Let's have a starting point. And many of them can't even answer because it's just deducted from a paycheck and they really don't know. So step one, I would say is really know what are you, are you, you know, paying how much is coming out of your paycheck per month, what your, uh, how much your employer is paying and at a loose understanding of what that coverage is like, you know, what are your co-pays? What's your max out of pocket in the worst case scenario? Do you have an HMO or PPO? Those are kind of like the basics of health insurance that you should know of for your policy. And then when we start researching, okay, well, where do we go from here? There's really two avenues and two markets to shop for health insurance. So we've got the public healthcare market and the private healthcare market. And they're two completely dichotomous worlds, Amy, and, and the rules are not the same. They just don't really 
play nicely together. Um, and the way that we, I, I kind of do this evaluation of where do we start is the public market is great if you're just starting out in your business, your income is less than uh, 50,000, um, you are either have a chronic conditions or major pre-existing conditions, uh, the public market is a great place to start. On the other hand, the private market is a great fit for those who already have a higher income or an established business, or basically you're not qualifying for any type of government subsidy or assistance. You're earning too much money as a household or as an individual, and you're generally healthy. You don't you know, go to the doctor every single month. You have some maybe basic medications. That's where we can get you a lot more value by shopping for a plan on the private market. Which is crazy because I didn't even realize there was a private market that existed. Like, you know, we hear about, you know, yeah. the marketplace. And it's, so the marketplace that we hear of, I'm assuming that that's the public market. Correct. Correct. And it's not a good fit for everyone, Amy. Like I said, it's great if you're lower income or have a chronic condition. But if you're healthy and wealthy, you're probably going to get screwed on the public market. So yes, just, definitely. Yeah. I, and I've seen it happen to people time yeah. and time again. They're like, well, I really don't qualify for any of this. So then how does somebody even start to navigate the private market? Do they just call someone like yourself? Do you have to go through an agent? Are there brokers, companies? How does all of that work? Yeah. So the private market's really, really messy and there's no like neat little portal where you can click and compare plans like the public market. So this is something you shouldn't navigate yourself because if you start Googling, you know, it's a capitalist agenda. You're going to see what the biggest companies with the biggest ad spend have, what they want you to see. So it's hard to know what's good for me. So I do recommend working with an advisor like myself, uh, a broker as well, you know, and you just have to be careful, like, you know, who I'm working with, do you really have access to everything? Are you are working in my best interest or are you just working for one company and this is all that you can offer? So those are some of the things that I would vet. Um, I have also have a great guide in my website that that says, what are the things you should be asking when shopping for health insurance? Um, so I definitely suggest taking a look at those questions as well um, when you're working with someone or even trying to navigate uh, yourself. Oh my gosh, such a good point. And I love too how you touched upon, you know, if you Google, you, you got to kind of take that with a, a grain of salt because yes, it is a very pay to play environment that we are living in. And these big corporations, these big companies are going to make sure that you see them and you may be missing opportunities that exist with some other private companies. Yeah. Yep, that's true. That's true. Oh my gosh, great. What are some of, we will look at your guide and we'll link that up in the show notes. What would you say out of those questions, what is the most important question that we should be asking ourselves when considering a policy? That's a great question. Um, I'm going to answer it in twofold because the first one is naturally going to be the premium. How much is this policy costing you? Because if you can't afford it, you know, there's no way it could be the most amazing policy in the world. But if it's just not within budget and you don't you cannot pay for it, it means nothing. So, of course, the premium is this an affordable premium for you because that's what you have to pay per month just to have the policy. You know, not assuming what the policy coverage is and you're out of pocket. So one is the premium. But the second most important thing that you can ask is the deductible. And a lot of uh, people, especially young professionals, um, and this is an industry myth that I'd like to debunk today, which is that, um, you know, we have heard that if you are young and healthy, go for the lowest premium, highest deductible and just pick something and, you know, move on with your life. Now, while that 
you know, principle may work with something like your home or auto insurance, it is exactly not the thing to do uh, for your health insurance. And I'm going to paint a, a scenario, Amy. Let's say that you're, you know, young 20s, 30s, and you need to find health insurance for yourself, and you decide to go with the lowest premium and highest deductible. And that premium happens to be, let's say, $200 a month, pretty low, high deductible. That can mean anywhere from seven dollars to $10,000 a month. Now, you, you don't really go to the doctor much. You go once, once or twice a year, but something happened, and it was completely unexpected, of course, and you do need to use your health insurance. And you've been on the policy for maybe over a year, paid into it $200 a month, and now you're in the emergency room looking at a $20,000 bill. Now, you paid all those months in premiums, and now in order for the insurance to cover your $20,000 emergency room bill, you have to pay the first $10,000 yourself or whatever that deductible is, right? So, of course, insurance companies are going to push for you to have the lowest premium, highest deductible plan because in the off chance or the unlikely scenario that you need to use your coverage, who's paying? The insurance company, not the insurance company, you're paying, and you just insured several times that you won't have to pay in the event of a worst case scenario. So my suggestion is please don't use that principle when deciding. I, you know, of course not the other extreme as well, but something that's more of a balance. So opt for a plan that has as low of a deductible that you can afford for a monthly premium that's comfortable for you. Oh, I love that. And thank you for debunking that myth because I, I see it time and time again. And I come from a background in healthcare myself and I would see it with patients as well. And it's like understanding your plan and what your deductibles are is key. I mean, even some of the elderly that I would work with, you know, these insurance companies sell them all these, oh, well, you get a free fitness program, you get this, you get that. But when you actually have to use their services, you're going to have a $75 copay for per visit. And it's really knowing and understanding what the plan you're buying is and the ins and outs because people often forget about those deductibles and your coverage isn't going to kick in until you've met that crazy high deductible. So it's it's a scary thing, but you have to be prepared. And by doing some planning, like you've suggested, and just knowing and being educated, that's where you can really harness that control and make sure you're making an educated um, decision that's best for your situation. Yes, for sure. Yeah, you're right, Amy. And you said something else that's really key is, you know, uh, when you evaluate your health insurance plan, you shouldn't be focusing on those little perks like a fitness plan and a gym membership. The, the strength and the of your policy is really when, you know, the, the shit hits the fan. What's yeah. going to happen? when I'm in the hospital and, or I have a, you know, a, a cancer diagnosis, that's when medical bankruptcy happens. That's when the medical yes. bills pile up. You can afford a gym membership once a month, right? Don't be concerned. Does my insurance cover my birth control? That costs me $7 a month. That's not the strength of your policy. It's when the big things happen. And that's, remember, that is really why you have health insurance. You can afford to pay out of pocket for a gym membership or a birth control pill. What you cannot afford is an unexpected catastrophic medical expense. Exactly. And I love how you touched on that because medical bankruptcy is a very real thing because we, especially being younger, you tend to think that you're invincible. They, oh, only older people get sick. I'm fine. I've never had anything happen to me. It can happen. It, I mean, and it does happen time and time again, whether that's 
an accident, whether that's a cancer diagnosis, whether it's, you know, a kid falls down and breaks an arm or suddenly your appendix ruptures, you know, all of these things that we think were invincible, life happens and it happens a lot. So set yourself up for success because as a solopreneur, so often if you're not able to be there running your business and generating revenue, then you're even more behind the eight ball. So having insurance, health insurance that covers you is key. Oh my goodness. This was an amazing conversation. You have shed so much light on this topic. Any last words of wisdom or advice for our listeners? Yeah, um, when you're kind of at that uh, crossroads of your life where you're evaluating and you need to figure this out, really work with someone that you trust. You know, of course, I, I like to make myself super available um, and accessible to anyone. You know, if you're just, you know, considering the jump from corporate to full-time entrepreneurship or you're growing your team and you want to hire a remote employee or, you know, offer some health insurance for your benefit, uh, for, your, for your team members, um, I definitely suggest working with someone like myself to kind of navigate that, you know, situation and figure it out. And just even knowing that people like you are out there to help entrepreneurs like me navigate these things is just amazing. So thank you so much for what you do. It's truly impactful on our thank world. You. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And until next time, mamas, stop dreaming and start taking messy action. You've got this. Are you loving what you're hearing? Do us a favor and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. 